I'd like to share some reflections about love. Um, Metta, friendship, kindness, goodwill, benevolence. The word metta has been translated in many ways. Um, for me, uh, what's resonant is, is love. Uh, and um, it's, it's a kind of uh, just a word I use as a mantra for myself, uh, just to touch into that presence, that alive, warm presence. Um, First of all, toward this being here, sitting in this chair. Um, and I think uh, I've, I've discovered in the last year or two how, um, how important, essential it is uh, for my practice. And I, I think I could extend that um, to many people. Um, the Buddha doesn't talk a lot about um, loving oneself uh, and um, or nor does he talk about self-compassion um, and it's not really I mean, the Buddha doesn't actually talk a lot about a self at all. Um, he doesn't say that there is one or there isn't one. Um, we have a kind of um, a referential self. We, we have this subjectivity. We experience the world within consciousness, and we experience it as... Um, a subject, and a subject um, posits that there's there are objects. So, our subjectivity, in ordinary ways of thinking, imposes an idea of duality um, on the world. Um, that's not necessarily what the practice of metta. Uh, starting with one's own being um, is is about uh, it's a, it's not about elevating or dividing a self but it's just about turning toward our experience our inner experience as we are becoming more and more aware of it in our mindfulness practice you know our we're becoming more aware of our thoughts our emotions our, our feelings, our, our habits of mind, our mood states that arise and take us over, and not to mention the body and, and all these sensations in the body. And, and as we become aware, more aware of these, um, all of these thoughts and uh, uh, like we may, I have 
said, where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? Uh, who is thinking? <laughs> um, and uh, recognizing, it's, it's actually in the first few years of practice, it's, it's, there can be, a, it's a kind of a opening the Pandora's box and recognizing that there's a lot of stuff that I, you know, I wasn't conscious of that's going on in my mind all the time. And, um, and so, uh, that, that can be, it's, it, it's actually very beneficial, but it's, it's challenging. It's painful to see the mind, uh, is not really what we would like it to be. Um, it's not, you know, we're not proud of all our thoughts. Um, Early on in my practice, I, I began an orientation toward practice when I was uh, about 21, 22. And, um, and I had this ideal uh, person that I wanted to become. So I had this image uh, in my mind of, you know, what this wise woman would be. And, um, and it was, you know, not me. Uh, it was somebody else that I had to somehow get out of this skin <laughs> and become somebody else. Uh, so that was, um, uh, that could be discouraging. And actually I spent a number of years in the beginning of my practice bypassing the the mind that was in in many ways quite traumatized and and quite disturbed and unsettled and i i just was kept coming back to the breath the breath the breath the breath and calming the mind and there was all this stuff that wasn't being acknowledged or attended to or given given space given you know uh it wasn't being listened to Um, so, so that needed to happen and, and has happened over years. Um, many of us in spiritual practice have this idea that we need to develop a perfect mind, um, that we need to, that the mind needs to be only thinking good thoughts, only thinking kind thoughts, only thinking um, compassionate and benevolent thoughts toward ourselves and others. Um, one of my teachers, Matt Flickstein, who I mentioned uh, earlier, made a distinction between a saint and a sage. Uh, so a saint is somebody who does that work. They're perfecting their mind. They're, they might be doing all kinds of practices, austere practices, to, to, uh, to only, you know, to banish, um, you know, any negative thoughts, there's a certain precarity about that 
state uh, and a certain inaccessibility about someone who, you know, lives on that peak of virtue. Um, A sage, on the other hand, is someone who contains within their own their whole their own being all of humanity and is at peace with it and 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 discerns what is skillful and what is unskillful what is onward leading toward happiness and peace and what leads toward suffering so that stink, distinction i think is interesting um like every distinction it's it's an abstraction um But but it was an important stage in my practice o- over years um, to begin to recognize that in what I would call my mind, which isn't mine, but it arises in consciousness, in this embodied consciousness, um, like every kind of possible thought could arise. And and then, you know, jealousy and even murder and and judgment and definitely lots of self judgment and um, yeah, uh, just a lot of grasping and greed and you know, so so what became dismantled was um, this idea of, of a self that, you know, wasn't those things. I mean, not, not that I have cultivated those things. So that's, that's the, the uh, importance of cultivation, that we cultivate the mind, that we, we have the wisdom to discern what, as, as I just said, what is leading toward happiness and freedom for the benefit of, our, of of ourselves and others, and what is keeping us on that wheel of samsara, just wanting and avoiding and uh, uh, you know stuck. One of the the word for suffering is uh, in Pali is dukkha, and one of the uh, nuances of meaning of dukkha is stuck, stuckness. So we get, we get stuck in these, you know, these pathways, these neural pathways that um, have been developed in the mind. And, um, and we know that the mind is very malleable. Those pathways can change and we can cultivate new ways, new ways of being. So, so this quality of love and friendship toward ourselves is so important that we know that we, that we are not the thoughts that arise, that we know that we are not, you know, the mental states that may come and and move through us. Um, and in meditation, we touch into that 
deeper, uh, more open, spacious, and receptive quality of being as I as I uh, pointed to in the guided meditation and instruction this morning on with the wheel of awareness to to learn to to be the knowing to be the knowing quality to be to be that that openness so it's not to say that we don't have preferences and we don't have personalities and we don't have um gifts and uh, and limitations um, we're all unique we're we're each unique people and nor are we fixed we're not fixed in our uniqueness we're we're evolving and changing and and um but um but that that quality of welcome um of welcome to whatever arises to 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 be able to be with with kindness knowing that these arise these all of these 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 experiences these inner experiences arise from the causes and conditions of our lives i as i was thinking about this i i, I thought of of this uh, this very famous poem by Rumi, the Guest House, and I, you know, and I thought everybody's heard that a hundred times, but then I thought, well, you know, it's been around so long, it's been an, around long enough to go out of style, and maybe people haven't heard it for a while. <laughs> so I thought I'd read it anyway. Uh, This being human is a guest house, every morning a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So this practice, for me, um, has very much melded with the practice of resting in awareness um, in my meditation, that this resting in awareness 
is a place of warmth. It's a place of joy. It's a, it's not a place, but it's, it's a space, a space of, of connection, deep connection to all of life. So I wanted to start with just the centrality of this practice for myself uh, to to share it with you because it's it's really something precious for me that I I wanted to talk about, Um, you know, and I go back to it so many times throughout the day, just when I, when I feel, you know, uh, the self reproach or the disconnection from myself or or the impatience with someone or some situation arising. And just just that mantra of, of saying love um, kind of invites me back into that space of welcome where everything is welcomed and uh, and there's there's a a, a very warm, welcoming fire blazing in the hearth for all those visitors to 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 be greeted by. I want to say some more general things about metta, and um, and some many of these ideas are inspired by Ajahn Suchito um, uh, from his uh, book on the Parami. There are uh, per- these are perfections of the heart, and in, in the Buddhist teaching. Uh, um, there, there are ten parami in the ter- in the Theravada early Buddhist school. There are ten parami, uh, and um, and metta or or kind heartedness is one of them. So, so we think of of love uh, very often as a natural quality, um, and uh, and it is it is a natural quality. Um, and it also is a quality that can be cultivated and developed. So, you know, sometimes we, we see somebody who we, uh, consider to be, we perceive to be a very loving, open-hearted person. And, uh, and that can be inspiring. And we may compare ourselves to that person and say, uh, I wish I were more like that, you know, um, and, and it is an inspiration to see somebody who is very open-hearted. Uh, and we can become more so ourselves. Um, it might not express itself in that exactly that way. Um, it will express a, itself th- through who we are. <clears throat> so, um, so... So to develop metta, uh, not just as a quality that happens to arise from time to time when conditions are favorable, um, like when we're with people we love and care about, um, we need to develop it in tandem with insight and wisdom. Uh, and, um, and so we, we often feel blocked from an attitude of goodwill um, by resentment, jealousy, 
uh, grasping, and so on. Um, and we may see ourselves as separate from others. In many ways, uh, we may, self-judgment uh, may arise, judgment of another, and we may say, well, that person is acting in ways that I would never act. Or that person is so different from me. Um, and so in that way, we're excluding that person from, uh, from our heart, from our, our care. And we're, we're, we're not, we're kind of putting a limitation on metta or love and which is to be cultivated as a boundless quality. Uh, and again, it's not about perfection, but it's about noticing where do we put up our walls, where do we put up our barriers, and say, uh, I can't, I can't. Um. So, uh, so, so there is a, a, an exercise uh, in Tibetan Buddhism called uh, exchanging self for other. When we notice that we're seeing somebody that we see as so other, uh, so different from us that we somehow are of a higher nature. So I am kind of parodying it, but let's face it, we do think like that sometimes um, in relation to people. Uh, maybe not quite so blatantly, but it, the, those kinds of thoughts do creep into the mind. And and so we can just, you know, say to ourselves, you know, that person, like me, was formed by the causes and conditions of their lives, by their family of origin, um, by their experiences, <coughs> by what they were given or what they were deprived of. And given those causes and conditions, I might have developed in those ways. Um, and, and given the, you know, the, the good fortune, the blessings and opportunities of precious human birth that, that I've been given, that person could develop to, uh, to be perhaps kinder. Uh, or more considerate, or more, you know, or 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 who knows what they are suffering? Who knows what they are? Um, what what is the inner experience of of their minds, of their bodies, that's causing them to behave or manifest you know, in a way which seems um, difficult or challenging or uh, or thoughtless toward others. So allowing the heart to connect, to recognize the, that when we're othering someone and, and in, in this connection, the, the close uh, relative of metta, which is compassion, um, can arise. Compassion can arise, um, uh, 
when we see someone who's suffering, when we see a being who is suffering. And so um, through through empathy and understanding, we can we can approach uh, compassion. Empathy is a quality of imagination uh, that we we can use to to um, tune in to uh, imagine what it must be like or it might be like or it could be like to to uh, be someone who is experiencing certain kinds of uh, conditions in their life and understanding is a more intellectual a way of approaching it uh, that that we think you know we we reflect on it um and so empathy and understanding tiknathan has talked about how uh these lay the groundwork for compassion um a story about uh, he i read i remember reading a story about um uh, a student of his who who told him how his father had been so harsh when he was a kid so cold so removed uh and he had harbored this resentment uh toward his father um because he had needed to do so much inner work so much healing to to kind of reparent himself to 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 form a sense of healthy uh caring for himself because he hadn't received that as as a young child uh from his father and um and then when his father died he was going through his things and he found a picture of his father with his grandfather so his father's father and um and just that picture said it all just the uh the whole bearing the of the of the of the father toward the son and and the sternness and and coldness aloofness and um and his heart just you know melted because he could he could understand and he could have compassion for his father uh, for the first time so so these um this way of uh being open to understanding being open to forgiveness um even for those with whom we have had uh, quite fraught or distant relations So um I mentioned earlier in the talk that um we all naturally have a sense of of self and other we it's a it's a way we perceive um it's how we're brought up it's not what we're born with actually 
we are born with, um, as I understand it, um, in infancy, there is not a differentiated sense of self. Uh, there's, there's really uh, just senses. The senses are open and sensations are coming in and, 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 and the body feels hunger and, and, and so the baby wails, doesn't really know what it is, but the mother is there or the father to respond and, and care for the child. Um, but we are taught through language and through uh, uh, culture to, to really see ourselves as separate from the world around us and separate from others around us. And many, many things are piled on that, you know, what that self should be, should look like, should, how should they, how that self should act and, and what's expected of that self to perform and, um, achieve in, in the world and so on. So, uh, there's a lot of, of self construction that happens. Uh, and then we take on the, that job ourselves when we, you know, and we, and we create this self, uh, that, then we need to project and protect and defend and and uh, want to be respected and esteemed and uh, made comfortable and and all of that. So um, so this is the um, this you know, and we we see self and other in everything, you know, uh, and this is this is the worldview of of. Um, unawakened uh, beings. Um, it's our unawakened view, and our awakening view is we can awaken gradually to understand that this separation is one that is uh, not a real one. It's not that we don't have our own inner experience. You know, each one of you is experiencing something that is uh, unique, you know, as you sit, as you experience your body, as you hear, listen to the words and relate it to different experiences in your life. And yet um, we're not separate because we are inter, we inter are, we are uh, infusing, influencing uh, one another. um, And uh, as is, and all of the elements of the world, the air, the water, the nutrients of the earth, uh, and so on, the warmth. Um, so, so this separateness is, uh, is an unawakened view. And, and this self-view uh, asserts that if I'm, if I'm unhappy... Uh, if I'm uncomfortable, then there must be something wrong out there. Um, uh, the problem is somehow out there with the situation or the conditions or the food or the the temperature or the government or um, 
the media, <laughs> whatever it is, um, it's out there. And, and so, uh, you know, so we can, we start to feel powerless and that we need to control things. And, um, and then, and then of course there's so much that is not in our control. Um, not saying at all that there's not a place for response and for, um, bringing, uh, a meaningful engagement um, with the world around us. Um, not saying that at all, but the idea that that uh, somehow the world is responsible for our unhappiness is—it's um, really uh, gives us a, a feeling of of incapacity um, and because we can never control the conditions um, that we think may be causing our unhappiness. Not all of them. You know. So, um, so finding that, that quality of, of well-being, of of ease, of peace with ourselves, of care, of connection, uh, is really um, such an important exploration, an important cultivation that we do in our lives. I think of um, I think of the practice of metta, um, not only toward ourselves but toward all beings. Uh, just engaging in that on a daily basis, dipping into that. Um, just when we're walking on the street and we see people around us, or when we're riding on the metro, or um, or wherever we are, just looking around and saying, may you be happy, may you be well. Acknowledging that, just like me, this person also wants to experience ease, wants to be free of suffering, wants to uh, be at peace. Um, and, uh, and feel supported and connected in their lives. And so may that, may that be so. May they be blessed in those ways. And these, these simple intentions, these, the simple inclining of the heart, uh, just threading it through, weaving it through our daily lives, I, I, I really see it as, um, as preparing the ground for the development of, of insight and awakening um, because it helps us to, uh, to not be so caught in the, uh, the self-defensiveness, the, 
the self and othering, um, the comparing, um, even comparing ourselves and saying, oh, they're better than I am. Some people say, uh, you know, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's a quality of humility, but it's not actually, it's, it's still comparing. Um, the Buddha said to, to say that you're better than somebody, your practice, your virtue, whatever is better than somebody, or to say somebody else is better than you, or even to say you're the same. He said, it's just really misguided. Um, because it gets us into a whole state of mind that's that's not helpful, it's not beneficial. Just to um, to acknowledge that uh, there is a common humanity. There's a common, a shared experience of of um, wanting connection, wanting to. <laughs> to be well, wanting to be at ease and, and experience well-being. And um, it's also important, I think, to talk in this, uh, in this context about um the way that we in in many different ways we we come from different backgrounds and cultures uh and and we have different conditionings um we all have conditionings uh there's there's a conditioning which is uh racist conditioning there's a conditioning which is um, ableist or judging people who have uh, visible or invisible disabilities. There's there's stereotyping that comes from you know cultures or um, socioeconomic status, uh, and and so I think there's more awareness of this you know being promoted being um we're being we're educating ourselves and being educated to to acknowledge that these attitudes are are in us they are in us um in different ways and and so it's part of i think that the antidote is first of all to acknowledge the arising of these reactions when they arise uh and and not and not to be not to get into shame or self-blame um or blaming others but but to recognize that it's suffering that that arising of of othering is is a form of suffering it's a form of stuckness uh and um and it creates suffering 
for others, but also for ourselves. And to bring compassion to that. To bring, uh, to bring care and kindness. And also, you know, my practice is to, to as, I, as it comes into consciousness, when I notice these conditionings of mind arising in consciousness, my, my learned response now, my practice, is to, to bring metta, to say, may you be well, may you be well. And it's a balm to that. And it's also a healing balm for myself to, to offer instead of the, uh, the conditioning that has come up through upbringing and media and so on, um, to, to replace that with a, a, a deep sense of care and connection. Um, I'll just uh, read a short quote from Ajahn Suchito. Ajahn Suchito, um, uh, who uh, talks about um, the self and other mindset and widening when he, he talks about widening the boundary of concern. Um, so, so including more and more into our care, so uh, not just caring for ourselves, but caring for other beings. And um, he said, when the boundary of concern widens to include others, even those with whom we're in conflict, in an important aspect, the suffering ceases. This, the Buddha pointed out, is the suffering we can bring to cessation. In doing that, We're not just released from pain, we are broadened and deepened out of alienation into wisdom and compassion. So in that moment, you know, like awakening in the Four Noble Truths, the Buddha talks about awakening being the cessation of suffering. And so sometimes we think about that as like, a falling away of all delusion, but really awakening happens in a moment, in a moment of letting go of judgment, in a moment of letting go of othering and, and recognizing uh, the connectedness of our lives. And so we, we ground ourselves in this love this love which is at the the core, the center, the root of who we are. And and it it radiates outward uh, boundlessly. Not that we are kind of saying it has to be boundless because we don't know what boundless is, but we're not putting a boundary on it. Um, There's a, um, I'll just end with this uh, ancient Pali chant on the four boundless states of the Brahma Viharas. 
um, or divine abidings. I will abide. I'll chant it. Um, I will abide pervading one quarter with a heart imbued with loving kindness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth. So above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself. I will abide, pervading the all-encompassing world, with a heart imbued with loving-kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill-will. To all as to myself, and to myself as to all. So this, in this uh, rootedness or this centering ourselves in love, we can radiate outward. We can cultivate a field of kindness, a field of intention to be with what arises without rejection, without pushing it away, without slamming the door on it. We can open the door and welcome it um, with curiosity and goodwill. So let's just sit and breathe together for a minute. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.